Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. As always, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how you doing today? Ed, I'm doing great. It's a it's a wonderful Saturday morning. Uh, it snowed a little bit last night, but apparently it melted or maybe not enough and the wind blew it away. I don't know what happened, but uh, it was nice to see there was not snow on the ground that I had to like shovel or something. So yeah, um, I'm doing well. Yeah, um, everything is everything with me too. We're starting to get a little bit of the uh, the Midwest experience too, with a bunch of snow here in the South, like the last couple of weeks. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been something. It usually doesn't snow like this down here, but so well, no, you know, snowed in for a few is, days. <laughs> world is going upside down. We, we, there's weather happening at places that weather doesn't happen at. A certain type of weather doesn't happen at. So exactly. Uh, we we had a, like not too long ago we had a tornado in Chicago like a really bad tornado. Oh so, my god! Like, <laughs> We've been having like earthquakes. We've been having like earthquakes yeah. down here too. It's just all right. this stuff is so, crazy you know, for January. It's, so it's cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twenty 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 two is starting off with uh, interesting foot weather wise, and it's also starting off uh, with an interesting foot on the Bulls front as well. Uh, Bulls have lost five of their last six games, but we were just talking about it before the show started airing that even though they lost five of their last six and there is a little bit of there's, there, there are some things you can talk about as far as concerns go. But with this team missing so many key players that it's not like it's not too bad because you know why they're losing, even if, you know, things like energy and effort are things you can't excuse. Right. 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 Yeah, it's. It's basically because people are missing time injuries. Yeah. Like you guys, you got your, you know, arguably your best player out. Um, and Zach, uh, Lonzo's always going to miss time now. We'll talk about that. Um, you know, we've had guys in and out. Avi Javante is, even though he's like a minimum player, um, a vet minimum player or sign uh, contract, he's he's really important. You know, he brings a lot defensively, and especially he played. He's our four, starting yeah. four. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you know we've been out hit without him, and obviously other injuries. Caruso finally came back, so that's been. I think he's been a major factor in why the defense really fell apart. Um, and I think you've seen that last couple of games with him being back. The defense list looks like night and day uh, difference. But yeah, yeah, that it just basically it's mostly injuries uh, that have really derailed uh, the Bulls a little bit, a little bit here. Yeah, uh, Bulls. Even though they lost to Milwaukee, holding them to 94 points, uh, Caruso's uh, second game back with the team after coming back from uh, like COVID and injuries, just a bunch of stuff. But yeah, we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about uh, Io Desumu, who's been red hot the last like 
like month or so. He's just been playing really great basketball, even more so now with an increased role uh, as a starter and just playing more minutes. And he has just been fantastic for a team on both ends. So we're going to get into that. And we're also going to talk uh, some NBA draft, too. What better way to discuss the upcoming draft season than with someone who has always been giving us great draft thoughts for years now? Uh, you know him from the Hardwood Herald and also now from No Ceilings. They have been doing really good draft coverage uh, as of late since starting. Corey Taloba. Corey, man, great to have you back. Fellas, uh, as always, I am the most excited to be on this show of any show that I ever come on because I feel like for me, this is, you know, where the media thing started. It, it feels like home. And, uh, you know, also, we're all Bulls fans here. So that that makes things better, too. And we can merge those two worlds. So very, uh, very thankful for you guys having me on again. Hey, hey, we love having you on. It is home. You're, yeah. you're our, you're our, you're our friend. Uh, you're our fellow Bulls fan. Give, give you an opportunity to talk some Bulls because you probably don't get that as much uh, living in New York. So uh, <laughs> you don't get an opportunity as much to talk no. about the Bulls there. Yeah, it's it's always great having you on because every time we have you on, it seems like you're doing like more and more each time now. So it's always good to just see what you're up to and how you're progressing. And we're going to get into a lot of NBA draft stuff later, especially there's been some uh, news this week that have that's impacted the upcoming draft. So we'll definitely get into that. But let's start with some uh, Bulls talk. Let's start with the games that we've had this week. The Bulls lost three of their last four games, five of their last uh six uh dating back to last week but losses this week uh to memphis on monday uh they won against cleveland on wednesday which was actually a really good win against the cleveland team that has been playing really well and then of course the loss to milwaukee uh last night on espn uh these espn games have not been uh kind to the bulls lately uh it feels like the opposite of the tnt bulls thing uh lately but uh Corey, what were your thoughts on how this team has been playing recently? Like, do you think it's of course, the injuries have been a big reason why they've struggled as of late. But there have been some games where, again, the energy level hasn't been there. They've just kind of been sluggish. You know, Vucevic, he's still kind of, you know, inconsistent at times. Uh it, it, these games have really been testing the team's depth overall. And they've having to play some players who they you really wouldn't think they would have to play to really compete in these games. So uh, what were your thoughts, especially uh, against a Milwaukee team, that this match that we've been looking forward to for a while? Yeah, well, as far as the energy, I think, you know, having lost Caruso for a little bit, like the energy that, that he brings to the team is, you know, instrumental to the success they've had. Uh, Javante Green, like, you know, he's another energy guy. I think that, you know, ha- having Caruso back is just absolutely monstrous for for getting these guys to come out and playing hard every day, uh, or from the jump rather. And you know, I, I think that I- I'm not really worried about what's going on. Um, I think this is a long season; it's a weird season, and the the, the weird season with you know, but besides the Bulls just getting hit by the injury bug, there's all the games missed from COVID, so. I think that this is finally a team that we have that can kind of be okay going through a little slide and pacing themselves and not having to hit the panic button. Uh, you know, even like, you know, w- with the loss to, to Milwaukee, we were, it was competitive, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like you said, we had to play Matt Thomas for how, however many minutes that he was on the court for. Right. So uh, this is hopefully not what the team looks like, uh, you know, rotation wise when we get to the playoffs, but 
Um, I'm just waiting till we get through this little rough stretch that we're, that we're in. I think we're going to hit smooth sailing soon enough. And uh, the energy is going to be fine. The defense is going to be fine. And, and, you know, I, I think the offense is fine almost no matter what, but uh, I'm very optimistic about the outlook, even, even through this, this little rough patch. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, like you said, you know, injuries really hurt the, what they're doing. Um, and, with, with AC coming back, uh, uh, Alex, that is, uh, you see the defensive improvements, especially like I think they, obviously the the point of attack defense when when the when you play the drop coverage that that's very important and and they don't have a lot of strong uh, point of attack defenders outside of him. But not only that, but like communication wise, I feel like a lot of times right out there the, the team doesn't really communicate well defensively. And that's the wrinkle that you know Alex brings. He he's he's very vocal out there, telling guys where to be positionally, um, when to help out, um, and this is energy out there too uh, on the defensive end. That that makes a big difference too. So yeah, it, having him back has been a, a huge, uh, you know, bonus uh, plus added back. And hopefully uh, after the a dirty cheap shot he took from. Uh, Grayson Allen, who uh, someone on the bull should have like decked him. I don't know. Some of the should have done something. Like, I yeah. mean, I, I, I guess I, you know, you don't want guys to get thrown out the game and stuff like that. But like, someone should have gotten in his face or something like that. No one did anything. It kind of annoyed me a little bit. I don't know. Maybe they didn't notice like what Grayson did, like with the follow through at the at the end of that foul. So I'm hoping, like I said, Alex isn't like hurt. Yeah. Uh, the next day, because that's when you probably start feeling other things that you didn't feel when you have that bad of a fall. And like we were talking before the before we start recording, like I thought he hit his head too. So um, I'm hoping nothing like that happened either. So we'll see as far as that's concerned. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think everything Corey said is spot on. Um, we're we're just dealing through some stuff right now that. I, that shouldn't really be a long-term lingering, uh, uh, you know, issue. That's essentially that's where you need Javante Green, man. <laughs> Javante yeah. Green yeah. would not have hesitated. Javante Green would have been in that man's face if he was on the court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a. They they didn't have a great shooting night last night against Milwaukee. Io went uh, one for five from three. Kobe went zero for nine. Vooch, of course, two for seven. Caruso, one for six from three. They shot 18% from three as a team, and they were in the game down a stretch. And DeMar, I mean, credit to him. He played like an MVP again and with 35 points, made up a a bunch of a team's free throws. Uh, 18 free throw attempts last night from DeRozan, and the team as a whole had 24. So he did his best to really try to get this team in a position to win games, but ultimately they just weren't able to pull it out. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. Like, I feel like this team will be fine. Ultimately, I do think that, man, the first seat, getting that first seat would be a dream because then they could, you know, play it out in the playoffs without having to play potentially Milwaukee or Brooklyn until the conference finals, if they could handle mm-hmm. a really tough matchup from potentially Miami or Philly. So, you know, Getting that one seed would be great, but 
man, with all these injuries, it's definitely going to be tough to really keep pace, especially, uh, you know, with other teams just playing equally as well. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can get Zach back. Uh, they're saying he's going to be back, what, like in a few weeks. And then Lonzo is going to be out uh, six to eight weeks. I think I saw somewhere four to six weeks, too. I don't know what the general timeline might be there. But I, I think one thing that's going to be key is that they have this guard depth right now with Io playing well and Kobe has been playing well and Caruso coming back that, you know, maybe they can uh you know, keep going without Lonzo and still be able to uh, play really good basketball. Let me let me ask you this, Corey. When Io was picked, I don't think anyone was really like uh, unexcited about the pick, right? Like, I think people were like, oh, okay, yeah, like he, he played well in college. Like, he's a you yeah. know pretty solid player overall. Chicago guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I do think that I remember at the time, like, you know, some people did want like Sharif Cooper. I like Salim. I think you were one of the people who wanted like Sharif Cooper. And uh, there were probably some other players at the time who uh, right. people preferred. But Corey, like has what Io done this season, especially as a starter, has it surprised you or is this kind of more of what you expected? Like is a, a rookie second round pick who a lot of people we didn't really expect him to be in a rotation, but. He's been just balling out there, and he has just been a key part of what the Bulls are doing this season. Honestly, I think that getting an, as an impactful player as Io, where we did, I think it is one of the luckiest things that we're not luck. It's it was you know we we seemingly targeted him. Uh, it's huge because now we have flexibility elsewhere in the roster to make moves in the future. But you know. Io is a guy, and I don't remember if I came. The last time I came on was before the draft or after the draft. Mm -hmm. But I was like a little bummed that we didn't take Sharif or or even Jared Butler because I thought Jared Butler was a guy that you know the only reason he had dropped was because of his his medicals and whatnot. But I uh, when I saw how he interviewed, I was I was in. I moved him like into the twenties of my big board before the draft, because just from a basketball IQ perspective, and, and obviously he was a guy who got better in college. So it's not like, you know, it, it was this guy who had this raw potential. Like he was a productive college player, but when I saw how he interviewed and how he read the game, how smart he was on both ends, like a lot of the stuff you're seeing with him at the point of attack, like he was doing this at Illinois and he's breaking down why it's so important to you know uh to push a guy a certain way and how that makes it easier to hop over a screen and like all this really simple stuff but really important stuff that you don't always see at an NBA level um am I surprised he's had the moments and the games that he's had yeah you know previous to last night he was shooting what almost 80 percent in his last three games you know I don't think anybody expects a, a stretch like that from a rookie but I'm not at all shocked that he's contributing the level to which he's figured it out so quickly. And I think that is a credit to the Bulls veterans for gassing him up and believing in him. And, you know, we like we saw DeRozan go to his jersey retirement like they believe in this kid. And I'm I'm going to be honest. I don't remember the last Bulls rookie that I trust as much as as him. Like he is a guy that I want on the floor all the time because I think he's going to knock down the shot when the ball swings to him. I think he's going to make the right pass. I think he's going to make the right defensive rotation. It's pretty wild that a second round rookie 
can come in and have this impact. It's been a while for me personally, uh, for as far as a guy who the Bulls drafted that, that I feel that way about. Ironically, it might be the last Chicago guy the Bulls drafted in, you know, that went number one <laughs> overall that you felt like, yeah, I want to yeah. see this guy constantly on the floor, which is Derrick Rose. But, you know, the, the, you talked about uh, his shooting, how crazy shooting. That's the biggest surprise for me. Like, that was the question mark coming, I think, into the draft and into the season. Like, if he can find a way to hit that three-point shot, oh, man, he's going to be he's going to be a problem. Um, because defensively and all the other intangibles were there. Um, and he, I mean, he has kind of like a weird shot, but like when you look at his follow through in the end, like the mechanic wise, like, like the setup is weird, but the release looks nice. It's kind of like that Sean Marion type of shot, right? It, it, it's like a weird like form, but it looks clean when he releases it in a sense. Um, do you think he needs to fix that or like, if it's not broke, don't fix it type of thing. I mean, especially in the role he's in now, I think when he's getting into just step into spot up shots, like it's completely fine. You know, I, the biggest thing you want, especially if you're knocking shots down is consistency in how you're setting up your shot. And I think he sets his shot up pretty consistently. I think if you were looking at him, in the future and you're like, can we give him a bigger on ball role as a scorer to the point where it's like, all right, you're running these high ball screens and maybe the defense doesn't trust you to knock down shots when they go under or play in a drop. And now you have to hit these shots off the bounce. Yeah. Maybe there's some stuff with his footwork and how you step into shots that need some changing, but I think we're pretty far from that happening, especially with, you know, uh, Zach and, and DeMar on the team handling most of that. Uh, right. This is like way down the line type stuff. So I think his shot is, it looks great. Again, I think it's going in every time he shoots it. And, you know, this is not, uh, you know, he wasn't Corey Kispert as a shooter as far as his reputation last draft. You know, this that's why he, he kind of went in where he did. He's a little older. He, he wasn't exactly sexy, but he is the modern NBA you know, good size for his position, long, smart, could do a little bit of everything. And uh, I am very, very thankful that he's on the team. He is maybe the only player the Bulls could have drafted that I I feel okay about wearing uh, Captain Kirk's number because I was not, I was not <laughs> oh, happy man. about that with, with Daniel Gafford. <laughs> it's, it's not like a... Like when, uh, what should we call it? When Anthony Murrow wore number one and Bulls fans <laughs> revolted might. and he had to like change numbers, uh, Io didn't get that same treatment. They just kind of let it rock. Like, yeah, the Heinrich fans yeah. need to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more toxic and get the jersey off them. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when the, I think what you said definitely like explains so much in terms of like how he's been able to grasp the game and adapt so quickly. And you look at his last like five games and, even though the Bulls don't have a lot of options because of the injuries, I think it's still important to remember that they don't <laughs> have to like a, a player like I who's a rookie doesn't necessarily just get these minutes just because of injuries. Like he's mm-hmm. he's playing 38, 39 minutes like the last four games and like 31 minutes against uh, Golden State. It's just like the fact that the coaching staff trusts him that much is just it's just crazy just to see that he, like how good he's really been. And then even the assist numbers to me, that's been a surprising. Like he had a 10 assist game, an eight assist game, two six assist games. Like he, he's just playing such an all around, like 
game as a player, and I do think there's room for him to get better. Let me ask you this. What do you think his upside is like going forward? Like, is he I think there's clearly some starting level upside based on what yeah. he's doing now. But like, what what would you compare his game as to see what he could be going forward? I honestly think he could be kind of like Caruso-y, but I think I trust him more as an offensive threat mm-hmm. down the line. You know, I, I think that he's a guy that could have that kind of defensive impact. Um, now, Caruso is a first-team all-defense this year. Like, if he's healthy, lock it up. Put that in the books now. Yeah, probably so, get some. Probably get some VPOY votes too. Like, yeah, I'm should. sure he. Yeah. I'm sure he will. And deservedly so. The impact is is undeniable, right? Um, so to project that, like that level of impact, is you know, you it's hard to to project that down the line. But I think he's capable. Um, I, I I think he he's a dog too. Like he just wants to compete. And when you got guys who want to get better, have that that gene in them where they just they're not scared ever, no matter who they're on. Like he wants to go and defend the best player on the floor and then he can contribute on the other end. I I'm telling like, this is a guy that I'm sure he's never going to be a 20 point per game guy, but he's going to be one of those, those dudes that all of the advanced stats love. And uh, like I said, I, I think this is a, this was a monumental type of draft pick to where now, I mean, the bulls guard rotation is locked up, you know, let, well, let's lock Zach up in, in the off season. But once that happens, this this guard rotation is set for years and years to come. Yeah, the guard guard play has been like fantastic, and it's like modern NBA fantastic. Like we yeah. have a bunch of like guys that you can play at, you know, different positions, switchable positions. Position wise, they're switchable. Um, and yeah, Io is basically one of those guys that can probably end up guarding three positions on the court. Um, so that's that's definitely huge. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like when you look at his upside, you know, a lot of people. Would you see like make, would you be surprised if he had like a, a Drew Holiday type of upside? No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I think you know Drew probably is a little bit more natural of like an off the the bounce scorer. Um, although Drew's not like a guy that you want to be, you know, your top option either. But I think impact wise, I, I don't think that's out of the question I, I think projecting that drew is a guy who is one of the most important players on a championship team he's mm. long been one of the best perimeter defenders in the league most respected so you know I, again like when you compare that to the absolute like top outcome uh it's always you know you want to be careful when you do it but i'm not gonna say that he doesn't have it because he's shown the signs of doing those those kinds of of things and he'll do it in his own way but the again i'm so impressed by him you know and and it's the first time i've been like all in on a bulls draft pick in a very long time and that's including patrick williams you know it's it's including the the last end of the the garpax tenure like it's been a while since i've been like this is my dude like let me let me go buy a jersey because i I believe in this dude so much yeah it's like Salim said it's impressive that the bulls have this and you said too that they have this guard rotation where it, they're really not losing much by playing any of these guys. Like you, 
even Kobe White has improved so much where mm-hmm. I think defensively he's not really a zero. Like he's not amazing, but he's not a complete zero defensively. So when you have Caruso, Kobe, Io, Alonzo uh, when he's healthy, then you got Zach. DeMar plays 3-4 now, I guess, but I mean, he's still a guard, but they just have so yeah. many options at that position that it's just it's just an embarrassment of riches. So like both of you guys with uh with the news of Lonzo being out for six to eight months, we feel. Do you feel good about what this guard rotation can do until then? Uh, just to kind of keep the Bulls above water with Io, Kobe, Caruso. Uh, I, guess, I guess a little bit of Matt Thomas will be sprinkled in there, but we feel good about this overall, right? I do. Okay. I do. I you know I, obviously let's let's get everybody healthy, but especially when Zach comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel great about it because I think that the like you said, like DeRozan's playing some four. Um, you know, I think Zach's been able to slide to the three. Caruso can guard anybody. Like, get us put a center on him in the post, right? He'll right. He'll, he'll survive. Um, Io can play multiple positions and guard multiple positions. I don't know. I'm I like get let's get healthy soon. But when I got the news and it was like you know it came out, it was like well he might just kind of try to let it heal on its own or he might get the surgery if he gets the surgery it might be a little bit longer of a recovery time i was like oh let's just do the surgery you know like we can we can survive a a six-week stretch without one of our guards because that's the one spot that this team has crazy depth i mean even our like javante green is even the size of a guard so even some of our our big wings are our guard size right like that's the one spot i feel good about um but I mean, that, that takes us past the trade deadline. So I will say, you know, I wonder what the plan is to maybe upgrade some of the other spots in the roster. Uh, that That's more what I'm concerned with. I think, you know, the next like four to six weeks. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm not concerned with, with like Lonzo missing time here. Um, obviously we're going to need him for the, the playoffs and he'll be back like maybe like a month before the season, regular season ends. So he'll be able to get some, uh, you know, his conditioning, his, you know, rust or whatever he has to knock that off before before uh, they try to go for this long playoff run. Uh, but like you said, all the things you mentioned with all the, you know, positional advantages we have at guard. And and obviously the big factor is Io, right? If, if Io wasn't doing what he was doing, then we'd be like, oh crap, what are we going to do now? You know, we don't have that you know, defensive guard that we can, you know, kind of hit threes too, because Lonzo is that Lonzo. I mean, not as has high volume as Lonzo that he can, you know, a reliable three point shooter. Um, and even off the bounce, uh, Alonzo is able to hit, you know, threes, but yeah, I think I being as productive as he is and as reliable as he is, is uh, a factor there. Uh, another uh, young guy I actually kind of want to talk, talk to you about before we get into our next couple of topics it's uh tyler cook i've been really impressed with um i know he was drafted i can't remember where he was drafted a couple of years ago um he was on detroit for a little bit and he bounced like i think i think milwaukee for a little bit too um obviously the bulls have him on a two-way deal i don't know if it's uh, if it if it's a two-year deal if it was a one-year deal so either way he's going to be a restricted free agent i think either this year or next year and the bulls will have the opportunity to keep him. but i like the toughness he brings he brings like this like like this mean guy up front like he's not afraid like he was he was doing 
Like he was holding his own against Giannis. I felt like like he he didn't seem shy, scared uh, from you know going up against him, and he even started mean mugging a little bit up there. Like after like getting the like getting the uh, one pass from Vooch and going up and just finishing strong. That's like a guy that we don't have, right? Like a, a big up, up up front that will go up and finish strong. So it's been nice. Like, what do you see out of him? Like, as a, as far as his potential, like I feel like he could be a solid backup for uh, four slash five for the Bulls for like a little bit. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I like what I saw. I thought he did a great job last night. You know, competing. You you know, obviously getting the start and all the work he's had to do to get to the position he's at. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't hesitate to throw him in a deal if a team wanted him no, <laughs> for any sure. reason type of thing. But I think that he's a guy that he's going to have these games where you feel his impact, where he's come out and brought energy and he's doing stuff out on the court. And then there's, he's probably going to have games where he's kind of in the background and you, and you don't feel him. You know, I think with those kind of guys, they could, they don't, the reason that they're on the deals they're at is because, the consistency is the thing that they can't always drum up, but I think that he fits into what the front office is kind of valuing in those type of players. I mean, if you look at the roster, like we don't really have any traditional big men, you know, outside of like Tony Bradley. I mean, Vucevic is a center, right? He's not like super switchable, but he's got all of these skills that you look at on the offensive end that make him, you know, pretty versatile as to what you could do. I think that right now that kind of forward rotation, six, seven, six, eight guys, like I think it's going to kind of be uh, let's get this done by committee and somebody's going to try to step up every night. If Tyler Cook wants to come in and take it and be like, I'm going to do it every night, that would be amazing. You know, like let's get some consistent production. But, uh, you know, I try to, I think right now I'm taking a, a cautious wait and see approach, but I, I definitely, I love what he brings. I think he's a good piece that, that we got. And, you know, I think we've gotten a couple of good pieces. I like McKinney too, uh, a little right. bit. So I, you know, getting to look at all these different guys while now it's like, all right, we're just kind of, it seems like it's a new one every night. Who's getting a little bit of run. Like it, I think in the long run, we get guys some minutes and it, it could help us and they could be pieces that we look at that they understand the system and they get better as the year goes on. So I, I've, I, you know, while I don't feel as great as I, you know, would if we had a fully, fully healthy roster from the front court depth, I think that the guys that uh, AK and Eversley have gotten on the margins have been the right kind of guys. Yeah. They've, uh, they've done a really good job with these like margin signings. And I know that was something uh, last year, Salim uh, had brought up about was like, Arturis' ability to really, you know, get into those type of things, especially since Denver had done a really good job at that. So we've started to see more of that this year with the guys that you guys have mentioned. And, you know, even though Matt Thomas has, you know, obviously he's not super, you know, amazing or anything like that, but even a guy like him for what he's on the court to do, he shoots 43% from three. So, I mean, he's, he's doing what you put him on the roster to do and he can, you know, be a useful depending on the matchups that we're given. So I, I like what this team is doing in terms of those margin signings. And I, I know during the game last night, Jeff Van Gundy mentioned that the Bulls, you know, as you said, they they don't really have a whole lot of traditional bigs and they kind of do lack that size up front and it, it can be exploited. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the front office does, you know, 
at the trade deadline or maybe after with guys who might be looking to go to a contender and maybe that could help the team overall. But I, I like where this team is going, uh, approaching uh, the trade deadline with what we're about, what, three weeks, three weeks off, I think. Yes. Something yeah. like, something like sounds that. Sounds about right. Yeah. So sounds about right. Yeah, I, I like the direction that they're going in overall and uh, kind of transitioning into uh, some draft talk because the Bulls do have two first round picks and those first round picks could be potential trade bait or they could be uh, things that the Bulls just actually use for their roster for next season. So kind of looking ahead to the 2022 draft, Corey, let me let's let me get your thoughts first off on like just what this draft looks like overall and who your like top five players are uh, right now going into the draft. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, this draft is really tough. Uh, I coming off a draft like last year where you see so much top end talent already showing out in the NBA, there's definitely more question marks. There's, I don't think anybody is really certain that any of the top, like, three to five guys or absolute like let me build around this player mm-hmm. kind of guys. I happen to think that there's at least one that is, but there's no consensus. Last year there was, you know, a, a little bit of consensus. Where it gets weird is more in that like once you get past pick like seven or eight and like the back half of the lottery is there's not much separation between players. You can, you can talk yourself into any number of players that are projected to go in that range. And not only can you project, you know, talk about players that are projected to go there in that range, you could talk about players outside of that range that maybe should go in that range. So it really flattens out once you get past like the, the seventh or eighth guy. And the good news is, is that where the bulls are, are selecting there is a ton of interesting players that aren't really separated by talent all that much. And, you know, you're going to see boards where there are guys that are projected to go in the bulls range are probably on uh, in the lottery section of, of some people's boards. So I think the bulls are in a really good spot with where their pick slash potential picks are. Mm. Um, but it's a weird draft in the sense that, we have no idea like who's going to be the number one pick and it's almost February. And then, you know, we got a curveball the other day with Shaden Sharp all of a sudden being uh, el- draft eligible this year and, and whether or not he's actually going to be coming out this year or whether his, the plan was to always kind of play at Kentucky next year. So that's a curveball too, that uh, kind of shakes things up, but yeah, it's just a, it's a little, it's a little 2020 draftish, mm-hmm. where there, I think there are going to be surprises in the lottery that people don't see coming right now. Do you think like so? Let's talk about like the top half, like the top five, or especially mm-hmm. the the number one pick or prospect supposedly in this draft is Chet Holgram. Yep. Uh, he has like a lot of people I see, like especially on Twitter, like draft Twitter and stuff. The people that love, like, lo- love him, absolutely love him. Like, they think he is the for sure, like the unicorn uh, type of player. And then there's a lot of players that also think, like, man, I just don't know. I don't know if he'll be able to, you know, finish above uh, NBA bigs. Like, will he be able to get strong enough? Uh, has his body frame right? Um, will he be able to do some of these things that he's doing? in college that 
and the pros. Like, what are your thoughts on him? Like, as far as as far as the type of prospect he is and um, his potential in the NBA. Uh, well, I have Chet as the number one guy. Okay, and it's not particularly close mm. for me. Um, I I'm one of those guys that I look at the way that the NBA is evolving and he is like just what you would build in a big man prospect in a lab. He's a little Evan Mobley ish. He's got a lot of the same similarities and I get it. His body is weird. And you look at it and you're like, how is this going to hold up in the NBA? Right. But it's like, people have been saying that at every level and nothing's really deterred him right now because he's not afraid to play physical even with his frame. So like you might have a big guy that goes through him, but his length is so absurd that like he still will contest and block shots and, and change shots. He could shoot threes. He could bring the ball up the floor and shoot threes in like transition. He can play make. He's a really good passer with really good feel for the game. Uh, and and I think like he's in a spot like he's playing off of Drew Timmy. He's not even getting to show his full offensive repertoire. Like they they don't really feature him ever. He always hovers around nine, ten shots a game. But you know you look at him, you're like, all right, he's weak. He's probably gonna have trouble finishing, right? Well, he's shooting ninety percent at the rim this far into the season. Uh, and he's you know the blocking shots, the the timing is the big thing with that. It's like he just times things. He's going to be able to guard every defensive scheme. Like you want to put him in drop, great. You could do that. He could hard hedge. He can come over from the weak side. You know, he whatever. He'll ice stuff. Uh, I mean, it's it's he's awesome. He's awesome. The advanced stats are crazy about him. The eye test for me, he passes that. Uh, you know, a couple of the guys for no ceilings went and um they saw him out in Vegas earlier this year and they're like, he actually doesn't look as skinny in person as he looks on TV. I think his body's going to fill out, you know, obviously he's never going to be one of these like Dwight Howard looking guys, but mm. uh, he'll survive. And the NBA is about length, skill, versatility. And to me, that's exactly what he represents. So I'm, I'm, I'm riding, riding high on the, the Chet Holmgren number one bandwagon. Where, where would you like to see him go? Uh, as far as teams that are right now in projected top, you know, number, yeah. one, number one, essentially. I want to see him go to Houston. Uh, I want to see him go to Houston because I think it would do wonders for like, they have all those really talented guards. Jalen Green, I think, is uh, becoming a little underrated. I think he's been really, really good this year. And he's the exact type of player that it takes a little bit of time with. We've seen how long it took Zach to get to the point he's at. Right. Um, Bradley Beal, though, like those kind of guys, it, it takes those guys a little bit of time and you need the, the right roster construction. Alperin Shangoon is like one of my favorite players of all time already. I was super high on him coming into the year. I had him as like my fifth ranked prospect. And he's a guy who can shoot it outside, but is obviously so comfortable working the post with his amazing footwork. And he could pass and he's no slouch defensively. Uh, and I think like he fits perfectly with Chet. Like, cause Chet's more of a, he's more of like a perimeter power forward uh, than he is a center, but like those two guys, the synergy there would be really fun. And then you add in uh, guys like Josh Christopher, Jalen Green, and, you know, maybe Kevin Porter Jr. I, I don't see Christian Wood long for that team. I think that that would be like an awesome piece 
that makes all the other stuff on their roster make a little bit more sense. I feel like I'm getting old because I f- like when you guys were talking about, you know, he's too skinny and, you know, there's concerns about that. And I, I feel like there's a bunch of players who've come into the draft and they've been too skinny, like Ingram <laughs> right. and Duran. And it's like, oh, my God, they're going to get killed in the NBA. And then it's just like, well, no, they didn't. But yeah. and they also like players gain weight, like players get stronger. Like these kids are like 18 years old. Like they're not going to look like this forever. I mean, maybe yeah. KD does, but he's like admittedly said that he doesn't really lift that hard because he doesn't want to mess up his you know, shooting ribbon, whatever, whatever. So I don't know. I feel like Chet Holmgren will be uh, fine overall. Uh, who, like, I'm looking at uh, Tangavon right now, just looking at their mock, and I like just like browsing through NBA Twitter, like over the weekend. You always see like people who, like, like you said, the, the number one choice seems to be very open. Like, some people have mm-hmm. Holmgren, some people have, uh, I, I've seen Jabari Smith at one, like, some people yeah. have uh, Banchero at one. Like, who, who do you have like what's your what's your top five looking like overall I, you said Holmgren is the number one for you and it's not really yeah. close so who do you have after man this is this is such an annoying question that we've been wrestling with like everybody in those ceilings <laughs> like it's so fluid it changes all the time right now yeah. uh i have chet at number one i have uh boncaro at two and i think people are slightly overthinking him uh, because I think he's been better than uh, people are kind of giving him credit for being. I think people are just bored because he's been awesome from the jump. And uh, I saw him in person and he is just every bit of the 610 250 he's listed at, like just a freak. I have Jabari Smith at three and admittedly it's close with him and Paolo. Uh, Jabari's been really fantastic. He's got an elite stroke. And the way he covers ground on the perimeter. And I think he's got a little bit of the like Kevin Garnett mentality. Um, So I I love Jabari, but I have him at three. I have AJ Griffin at four. Mm -hmm. I'm a big AJ Griffin guy. I was big on him coming into the year. I see so much Jimmy Butler and AJ Griffin. And, you know, I, I wonder how much he was around those, those Thibodeau teams that his dad played on and and coached with right Mm -hmm. and and if he picked up any anything from jimmy when he was a a younger kid but he he moves like jimmy uh he wears 21 he even wears his like his it almost feels like his uh his jersey comes untucked like jimmy's did like (laughs) he's just a a jimmy clone and then i have and this is this was really tough for me Uh, this was really tough because most people have Jaden Ivey as a consensus top four guy, but I, I bumped him out of the top five for Wisconsin's Johnny Davis, who has been the the biggest riser in the entire class. He wasn't even projected as a first rounder coming in. And now he's one of the best scorers, tough shot makers, and he's getting Devin Booker comps for, for good reason. People are even throwing around Brandon Roy with him a little bit, which seems a little, little lofty, but um Johnny Davis has been a, a hell of a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I think that he's, he's just so smooth. He's such a smooth operator and who knows exactly what his strengths are. And uh, yeah, so that's my top five as of today, which if you ask me again in eight hours, it's entirely <laughs> possible. It might, it might change. <laughs> Have you sour, uh, soured on Jaden Ivy? Because I remember, uh, cause I, I listened to the draft back pod and I remember you were pretty high on him before the season started. Um, but has something happened like since I, cause I was, I don't watch a lot. Of no, no. Uh, 
Jaden Ivey's been fantastic. I, I actually, I had him outside the lottery preseason. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, because and he was he was really good in he, in FIBA, uh, in in the U19s. He was very very good for me. I was like, I need to see. I I knew he had potential to be like the the top five guy, but I was like, I need to see the consistency in the shooting, and he's proved that he's over forty percent on like five or six attempts a game. Like he's been a good shooter. Uh, I with Ivy, I saw him in person as well, and like he's got that athleticism where when you put him on a college court with the rest of the like college players, you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. Like he's, this guy's playing a different sport at times. Right. Like that's, that's how NBA ready. His athleticism is his, he's strong and he's a worker. Like he was a guy who didn't shoot well last year and he came in, he improved his weaknesses. He gets comped to John Morant a lot. uh, But I see a lot of Zach in him. Like he's, he doesn't always like young Zach didn't always know how to use the athleticism. You know, it wasn't like playing with different change of pace and all that. He has a little bit of that. Uh, he's not as natural, like a pull-up shooter as Zach was, but I, it's like a, a combination of Zach and John ja Morant and of young versions of those guys, the playmakings there. I really like him. And honestly, like, again, like he was my number three prospect when the no ceilings crew put their last big board together. So like the going from three to six, while it seems like a little bit of a drop, it's like the margin there is so close that I, you know, I, it, it was hard for me to, and I look at it and I, I get queasy having him at number six right now. Cause I love his potential so much. And so much of this part of the, this draft, like at the top, it seems like it might be fit dependent for these teams as to where guys go. Cause there's, there's not much, separation there at all and uh, i could see ivy even going at, at two you know like and it wouldn't be like no that's crazy it would be like all right i see it like i know what i understand what they're building so i really like ivy he played he played well when i saw him i went to that Rutgers game where ron harper jr hit the the game-winning shot at the buzzer from like half court um i like him i like Jaden ivy a lot i think he's gonna be a really good player and and he's definitely worthy of the top five I think I may have confused uh, the wrong with the Jadens. I think no, you were Jaden Hardy. 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 That's yeah. where you are. Jaden Hardy. Yeah, yeah. I had Jaden Hardy episode, one. Your episode, it was hard on Hardy, if I yeah. remember correctly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hard on for Hardy, yeah. Yeah, hard on for Hardy. Uh, that was that was a fun episode you guys did. Uh, but yeah. yeah, that was... Uh, uh, did you mention him already? Uh, was he in the- no, he's, he's, he's struggled a little bit. Like he's like hovering around late lottery for me right now. I'm going, I'm actually going to see him tomorrow uh, oh, okay. in person to scout him. Uh, he's, he started to play a lot better as of late, but you know, he's one of these guys, um, that I think the pandemic affected a lot as far as okay. like their developmental path. Cause he has like all this really natural fun, like Hooper type stuff to his game and like preseason i was like dude in high school this dude looks like jason tatum and damian lillard like had a baby like there was so much of that he was hitting shots from like half court almost on the regular like nothing but net smooth like it it was like absurd i was like how is this guy not going to be my number one guy coming into the year but he went one he played he's playing in the g league so he's playing against men every night right like he's getting the best of those men every night because right they any everybody in the G League knows if you're playing the Ignite, every NBA scout is going to watch that game. Hmm. So he's getting the best of the best every night, and he was kind of playing in a role that it doesn't like. 
I've kind of soured on him being this on ball creator as like a number one option, but I do, I love him as a guy that is like constantly moving off screens and then using the leverage from running off all those screens to kind of curl and get to the rim. The shot creation stuff on ball has been a little bit concerning, but I think with him, like one of the good things is he is getting on ball reps and I've philosophically, one of the things I've evolved on is like, it's not always bad to have the freedom to make mistakes. Like it might look bad, but maybe you're learning that that's not something that you could do at the next level. And it becomes a problem if you keep trying to do that and, and it doesn't work. But, you know, I've learned that like the freedom and weird circumstances could be beneficial because you're getting to do things that maybe you wouldn't have gotten to do in a more structured college system. So uh, tomorrow I'm really excited to see him because uh, getting an up close look, seeing how he warms up, seeing how he's like getting after it defensively, how locked in is he listening to the coaches? Like that's all stuff that I can't wait to see up close. But uh, the fact that he struggled so much, it's, it, it was a little concerning. And I think it give, it's given me a new perspective on what type of role I personally think he would thrive in versus what I expected him to, to do coming into the year. Let me ask you this, because I feel like this was a big story heading into the season, but it feels like all of the buzz around it is kind of just dropped. But with Amani Bates, mm. and he, he's not eligible for this upcoming draft, but yeah. like going into it, his hype machine was so crazy. Like it was, oh, the next KD, the next, you know, whatever, whatever. Like he had all yeah. these lofty comparisons and definitely kind of felt like Andrew Wiggins ish in terms of like <laughs> the hype machine around it as like the anointed you know next up but since then he hasn't really been like particularly good in college and i mean he's still he's younger than most but i think even with that a lot of people still would have expected someone who looked like the comparisons that he's had attached to his name so yes like has your view how is your view on Bates uh changed since then and do you think like maybe going forward that he's not really the prospect that you know consensus had him as or do you think uh you know he'll be eligible next year there's still another chance he can still you know show that he really is that type of guy so he's another guy i saw in person and you know like all those concerns that people have had like they're pretty legit hmm. you know like when he was getting the kd comps it's very clear he's not KD like he's looking like he's not even Andrew Wiggins, you know, like mm, that, that's, that's what his year has been now <laughs> to be fair to him. Right. He came into a year Memphis um, on playing under Penny Hardaway. Penny kind of wanted to turn him into Penny, right? Okay. Like big six, eight, six, seven point guard. And that was Penny Hardaway's game. It's not Amani Bates' game. So they experimented with him at point guard and running that, and it didn't look good. It really kind of hurt Jalen Duren's stock as well, who is eligible this year. Um, but they don't really have a point guard on that team either. So it's a lot of just like really ugly offense. So I don't think he's in the best situation for him to kind of grow. Cause it's, it's not even like, it's just ugly. There's it, it. It's everything seems out of context for everybody. And it's hurt 
Duran stock because, you know, he's a guy who he just catches lobs and block shots and runs pick and roll and does, and he can't even really do that. So it's like affected Bates and Duran. I'm not really sure what path Amani is going to take next year. Uh, I could see him like going to the G league and playing in a more, you know, kind of structure, well-constructed environment for him to thrive playing with Scoot Henderson and maybe some other guys that that'll be with the program. But the one thing you do have to, you know, take into consideration is that Amani reclassified and he should be a senior in high school right now. So, when you you look at it from that lens, like, yeah, he's struggling. And if he was that dude, he was that KD type prospect, he would be, you know, killing it, but he's not. So we, let's just reset where the expectations are and see how he works on his game coming into next year. And if he actually improves and, and does things to get better. Cause I think that when I saw him live, he was engaged. He's a good teammate. Uh, and he certainly has some off the bounce skills that you go, whoa, every now and then. Mm-hmm. So he, he still has talent. He's not going to be the number one guy in the class. He's not going to be the number two guy in the class. Is he going to be top five? I don't know. He, a lot of outlets might look at him and be like, all right, we got to reconsider where we have him." but, uh, there, there's something there. And now it's just like, it's one of the things I hate about mixtape culture. It, that it just seems really unfair because he, you know, when, when you're 14, 15, like you're just, there's so many guys that don't develop at the same pace and grow at the same. And then once everybody kind of develops and they eat, it levels out, like that's where it becomes much more reasonable pr- to project guys. So uh, I, I think that we just need to expect a little bit less from him and look at him through a lens of like, what does he do to help an NBA team? And I don't know if he'll buy into that because he has had those expectations and been on magazines and, and whatnot. But if he gets the right people around him and he works on his game and his weaknesses, I still see a good player. It's just he's not that guy that you tank for by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. It's his like I, I've seen people uh, talk about his measurables, like his arm, his wingspan and his reach. And then um, yeah. he's not a good finisher at the rim. So they're like, oh, wait, if he can't finish at the rim and then he doesn't have good measurables, that's pretty much like the biggest red flag that he has. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think the length is going to be an issue because he does have good size. Like, you know, he's a pretty tall kid and uh, I'm not concerned about the length. The finishing, like that's obviously concerning for a scoring wing. You if, if you're calling hard to scoring and you can't finish, that's, mm-hmm. that's bad. Uh, you don't need any high level analysis with that. That's just not a good situation. Right. Right. Uh, but let's see, like, again, th- this year is almost like, let's, let's move on. Let's get to the off season, maybe put in some work, get you stronger and work on all of these, these weaknesses. And how are you going to finish through contact when you're six, eight and you're 195 pounds or whatever, like, you're going to have to find ways to be physical and get to the free throw line and maybe work on different finishing packages. But uh, for, for Amani this year, he certainly hasn't lived up to expectations. You see Memphis is kind of a dumpster fire right now. Penny Hardaway just went on like a rant of why, about like <laughs> why he shouldn't be criticized for what's going on. It's, it's not a good situation for anybody that's, that's there seemingly. So 
you can't throw it out because it's all stuff that happened, but you also have to kind of look at it with a little bit of context and maybe why he's struggling a little bit and give him a little leeway and see if he can make the, the adjustments next season. Interesting. Yeah. So looking further into this draft, um, obviously getting to the bulls, what they could potentially do. I mean, that Portland pick, I don't know if that's going to convey this year. I mean, I think Portland has a pretty soft 10 game schedule coming up here. So maybe they could bounce back into that playoff picture and, and the bulls, you know, resuscitate life into that Bulls draft pick. But um, looking at the Bulls' own pick, it's probably going to be in the 20s somewhere. Uh, who are some guys that you potentially could see, like, the Bulls targeting? Um, obviously, it's very early, but obviously there's certain aspects on the Bulls' roster that they could try to, you know, look for need right now, obviously, in the front court in particular. Um, who, who are some guys that you've looked at in general that you think you like in that Bulls potential range and the Bulls could target. So I, I think that when the Bulls took Patrick Williams, you know, it's like, all right, you get it. He looks like Kawhi, right? He's got, he's very skilled, super young for, for his class, even like let's take high potential guy. Then last year, the Bulls take IO and you're like, all right, so what is, AK and Eversley's draft philosophy because they took an older guy now who like maybe doesn't have a ton of potential. And I think I've come to realize that like the draft philosophy might be let's get guys who are versatile, defend, multi-skilled, can play in different spots and do different things and fit into where the NBA is kind of evolving that I feel like Obviously, the Warriors kind of started playing Draymond, and then I feel like the Raptors are kind of like going in that direction now with just like all guys who look the same. So some guys in the Bulls range, I think Marjan Bochamp, he's playing for the G League Ignite. He's like a 6'8", really long wing who is just awesome in transition, a great finisher. He's not shooting well from three, but like the shot's not broken. Um, And again, he's playing against uh, professional players in the G league. I think he's a guy he's risen a lot. He could be a lottery guy. He was a mo- kind of projected as a second round pick right now. He's at 20 on, uh, the, the draft rankings that I do, uh, where I keep draft stock of all the, the players. So like I average out all the big boards from the mainstream sites and, and he's the 20th ranked prospect based on, on all of those. Uh, he's a guy, he, he reminds me of Josh Howard a lot. So I think he's a guy that the Bulls can kind of target. Um, Tari Eason from LSU, he kind of looks and plays a lot like Pat. Uh, he's uh, just a, a brick house physically, super strong, multi-skilled. Again, another guy who the shot isn't fully there, but you look at it and you go, all right, he's never going to be Kyle Korver, but I think he could hit spot-up shots. Uh, defend multiple positions, fit modern NBA, six, eight, six, nine wing. Again, he looks a lot like maybe some of the, the forwards that the bulls have even targeted on the margins. Um, and then I think Harrison Ingram Stanford uh, wing is another guy who's kind of like that. He's uh, the best way to describe him is like Scotty Barnes light. Like he could play in the pick and roll at six, eight, six, nine. He's got defensive tools. He's a, a, a pretty decent shooter doesn't have like blow by you athleticism, but he's strong and versatile. He's another guy I think could be targeted. That's good value in that range. Um, 
but there's a lot of options. Like if maybe the Bulls do want to target an actual center to have on the roster, right? Mm. Uh, so you got a whole plethora of bigs. You got Mark Williams from Duke. Um, you have Christian Coloco from Arizona. Uh, you have Ishmael Kamagati from Paris basketball. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of directions the Bulls can go with their picks. And, you know, if the Bulls do get Portland's pick and it falls around the, the like right outside the lottery, you know, you also have some pretty intriguing options around that range as well. Uh, and again, all of these guys, by the time the draft comes, they could have played themselves into the conversation right outside the lottery. They could be in the conversation where they're at now, kind of towards the back end of the first round. It's so wide open, but there are players to to get um, from this draft for the Bulls that I think are going to be contributors. And and those are the guys I'm kind of looking at as who the Bulls would target, just those 6'8", 6'9", versatile, kind of do-it-all guys. And there's a there's a good bunch of them where the Bulls are picking. Let's wrap with this. Uh, just had a question for you on uh, Nikola Jovic. I don't want to mess up his name. Jovic? Jovic, yeah. Jovic. What, what are your thoughts on him? Um, Not my favorite. There are some people that are super high on him. He's ranked 19th on those draft rankings uh, overall right now. Um, so, you know, he I know a lot of people thought like, oh, he might be a top 10 guy coming into the year. He's kind of come on as of late, but he has struggled for most of the year. Here's my and he played on uh, Marco's team. That's where he's playing right now mm. in Mega Basket. I the vibes I get from him because he's 6'10". And he's got like fancy off the bounce, like step back combo move jumpers in his game. He's a pretty okay. He's a pretty decent playmaker. Like not like oh this guy's gonna run your offense type of playmaker, but like he could play and pick and roll. My thing is, and the vibes I get, he gives me a lot of Killian Hayes vibes. And what I mean by that is like, and obviously Killian hasn't worked out, but I was not nearly as high on Killian Hayes in that draft as some other people were, because when I watched his full games, even though he had like pretty good percentages, like finishing at the rim and shooting off the bounce and all that. Anytime he played against like a hot, like a, a, a really athletic rim defender or wing prospect, like he had trouble breaking him down and getting by him or finishing at the rim. And Jovic reminds me a lot of that too. Like, I think a lot of the times that he's taking these like crazy step back jumpers, it's kind of because he can't, break his man down off the dribble and blow by. So he almost, it almost feels like he's settling for them. Hmm. And if that's where your game is, are you going to be a good enough shooter that you're going to be allowed to take a lot of those shots and that you're going to be efficient enough um, to stay on the court? Because at 6'10", what position is he guarding, right? Like he's a little lorry in that regard. Like you, you start falling into that, kind of conversation from defensively. And I just don't know if he has the offensive game to be efficient enough to make it up on the defensive end. So like there's a, there's probably a spot where he's at. I feel like it's pretty good. Like that 19, 20, 21 range. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a pretty good spot for him where you take the chance and uh, on the potential because he's super young and who knows, maybe he can improve on a lot of this stuff, but I get vibes like he's going to really struggle with NBA length and uh, athleticism. So I'm, I'm a little like a little iffy on him as a lottery guy, but if you get him in the twenties, I, I, I feel pretty okay about it. Mm. 
there's a lot of buzzwords there. To, to <laughs> 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 I heard Lowry, I heard Killian Hayes, I heard <laughs> so, a lot of things. I don't. Not yeah, be you know, you can tell. I'm not. No, there, look, there's some people in no ceilings that are like, you know, we're we're going through like our mock drafts or big. They're like fighting for him, like, and I'm like, some of us are like, ah, I don't know. He's he's very polarizing in this draft because on one hand he has shown some offensive skills that fit so well into the modern NBA. And on the other hand, there are concerns about what he could do and get to from people like me. And like, I don't think the league he's playing in is like the most is like the highest level of competition Mm -hmm. um, as far as international play goes. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little weary. And again, it's all about what spot he's getting drafted for me on whether or not I think it's a, a good value. These are, these are some interesting names though that you've been like we've been talking about so it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see as we get closer to the draft if ak if the bulls do keep their uh well they can't trade their picks so uh <laughs> yeah. yeah so downside <laughs> so they have to draft so it'll be interesting to see uh what they uh do with that pick of anything like Isle, then the bulls will be in good shape Corey, this has yes. been great discussion as usual man thank you so much for coming by on bulls go once again uh Tell our listeners what you're working on. You mentioned those ceilings. I know you talked about that a little bit the last time you were here. And I Mm -hmm. think that was just when you guys were just starting up. But uh, talk about that some more, too. No ceilings has been amazing. Um, You know, it's kind of been the the main focus of what I've been doing draft wise. And, you know, teamwork makes a dream work. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And uh, I was like this draft thing. it's, It's really hard, you know, and when you're a content creator and for anybody who's considering creating content you know, the biggest thing, and you guys are a great uh, testament to this because you have been going for a really long time and you do a podcast every week. Consistency is the the biggest key to creating content and growing. Um, and, you know, sometimes it gets overwhelming, right? There's a lot of stuff going on in the real world. So myself and Tyler Rucker, who uh, is one of the guys from No Ceilings, we were like, you know, let's kind of team up and try to tag team this thing and along with my podcast partner uh albert we were like all right that's three like that'll make things easier we can cover a lot of ground then i was like why don't we try to expand it a little bit and now we've kind of turned into like the wu-tang clan of the draft world (laughs) we got eight guys we write and post uh like an in-depth written piece uh about some draft topic that we're feeling for the week monday through friday uh on a Substack that if you subscribe for free we we don't it's free um you know you get it directly to your inbox so Mm. we've written we have not missed a day we launched october 25th and we've written so many different pieces and it's been uh going way better than i think i probably could have imagined it going you know like we got multiple nba front office executives subscribed to it and, and agents and and guys, so it feels like we're going in the right direction. Uh, we're doing really cool stuff. We're not covering it in a way that really has ever been done by any site. And when you're covering something niche, whether it's a specific team or like a, a we're covering the draft, like you have to attack it in uh, a unique way. And we've been doing that. And the perspective of eight different guys really helps when you're talking draft stuff because my opinion of Jovich is not somebody else's. So I don't want to put my personal bias in all the time. I want to hear other people's perspective and we have those conversations. And uh, if somebody writes about a prospect that I really am not super high on, 
and they're using, you know, examples and film clips and like it could kind of clear things up that you're a little weary about. So it's been really, really fun. And uh, I think we have some big things to look forward to. I know, you know, I've seen over half of these prospects live already. Um, so, you know, thankfully things are kind of back to normal in that sense. So uh, we're, we're doing some really fun stuff in the draft world and we're doing it all year round, you know, like when the off season comes, we'll cover the high school class. We're going to expand next year, hopefully with, with some cool things and a lot of fun stuff planned. Um, like you said earlier, seemingly I always manage to put more yeah. stuff on my plate, but <laughs> Uh, it's, you know, the only way that <laughs> no, you be grinding, I, can, man. I can keep it going. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just, I, I, my mind is, is crazy sometimes. And, uh, you know, I feel like we could do some special stuff in this, in this draft scene. And I think we're doing it and it's early. We've been going for three months, but, uh, things are going to start heating up once we get to March madness. And, uh, I'm really excited for that. Yeah. You're you're always grinding. I mean, you do a podcast, you, you write, you've been doing the videos, like the you you did your magazine, like you've always yeah. got something. So you're always grinding. So that's always great about you. And uh No Ceilings has been doing a really good job. So uh listeners definitely check that out. Follow everyone on No Ceilings, especially Corey. They always have great stuff. And yeah, your your draft insight has always been on point and uh yeah, even like the comparisons have just really been just like really spot on throughout the years. I appreciate that, guys. And, uh, you know, this is again, anytime I get to talk draft, but I also get to talk talk some bulls. Now, now you really got me uh, <laughs> excited. And um, yeah. I love being here and, and giving you guys and sharing my my insight with you guys, because, uh, again, I feel like you guys were gave me my first chance to do like uh, media, a media appearance and kind of gave me that little uh that spark um, to, to really like get after it. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. And, and you know, uh, anytime you need me to come on, I'm always down. Yeah. I mean, you're going to be like, shoot, like each time we do it, like you're going to be busy, man. You're going to be on TV at some point. <laughs> so we're not going to be able to get you. Man. That's <laughs> right. Hey man, I, like, I, I keep it real. I, I know where I came from. So w- w- whatever it is, I'm, I'm always down. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. De- definitely check out Corey stuff. Definitely check out no ceilings, man give them uh, just look at their stuff always great and informative on the draft uh salim any final thoughts before we wrap up uh yeah you know i was thankful for Corey joining us and you know in his free time uh obviously he's really busy like all the stuff he talks about that he does with mm-hmm. uh content creation but like he always so also coaches so yeah um obviously the little free time he has he decides to you know hop on our uh, lowly podcast here and you know, chat it up with us. It's always great. Um, it's fun. Like I, I think another new aspect of his podcast is Draft Dad Podcast. They had started like the I guess Spotify had started doing the video stuff. Yeah, um, and, and they picked and they picked his podcast. that draft that podcast like obviously it's informative that aspect is great but like the uniqueness of it it's really like it's there's no other podcast like it and that's why i really like it's really awesome and especially with like the chemistry you guys have with your Mm -hmm. boy uh uh your co-hosts and everything like that and um obviously you guys uh, have been starting to get all uh, some guests on from the no ceiling crew 
Um, so yeah, it's it's a fun, it's a really fun podcast, and I, I can't recommend it enough uh, for people to tune in on that pod and and you know get a perspective on, especially if you're someone like myself who's not you know that you know wealth of knowledge when it comes to the draft. It's always nice to hear you know that uh, deep dive of prospects because you guys really get into it. Like you know you don't you don't just do like you know half work. You yeah. guys get a lot. Um, like you said, you guys go scouting at the games and and stuff like stuff like that. So that's that's a lot of value in, in listening to that. But yeah, outside of outside of that, I think I'm excited about you know getting guys back. Uh, hopefully, like I said, Caruso is healthy uh, going forward. And that hand he had the wrist he had to like tie up after or wrap up, I should say, not tie up, wrap up after he fell. Um, I'm hoping there's nothing like another. Thing we hear like he's gonna miss time because of that, like I said, that cheap shot by Grayson Allen. I hope the league suspends Grayson Allen. They look into that. Like yeah. he has a history. Like like he, there was intent there. There's no doubt there was intent there. Like he went up there, he followed through to try to slam uh, AC to the ground. You know, and the, and you have Bucks players defending him. It's like get the hell out of here, guys! Like, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I love Giannis. Like, Giannis is really cool. He's the easy, like, easy guy to root for. But man, I'm a, I'm like, man, I'm I'm like against the Bucks now because that's nonsense. Like, how are you going to sit here and defend that? Like, I get that he's your teammate, and you're not going to be like, you know, blasting him. But they went out of the way to like defend him. Like you could give a generic answer and be like, you know what, you know, it's happened, blah, 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 whatever. But like they were actually like trying to say, Oh, he's not a bad guy. It wasn't it was just a hard fall. He didn't try to hurt him. Like, man, get the hell out of here. You watch that play and tell me he didn't try to hurt him. And then you have like other apparently Bucks fans defending Grayson too. It's like, man, like get the hell out of here. Like yeah. this is garbage. That's a dirty player, and someone needs to like pop him in the face. Like, I'm I'm annoyed. I'm like really annoyed about it like that just especially because we we already lost pat to a similar type of injury and and mitchell robinson wasn't trying to be like malicious he was probably mm. more careless he wasn't trying to be dirty which is being careless but like watching like an actual person try to be like someone in air and i get you're trying to stop ac from dunking the ball and you're just going to go up. And if he had just gone up with his hands, it's whatever. But, like, again, like I said, he came down and you saw him swipe down as his, as he was, as he had his hands on Caruso. It's like, dude, what the hell, man? You're like, you're trying to end a guy's career. What are you doing? Yeah. So that, that really pissed me off. That, like, like I said, I, was, I wasn't upset about the loss yesterday because it is what it is. Like, we fought hard. We're super shorthanded, but I'm still really annoyed about it about that uh, dirty hit by uh, Grayson Allen. How many How many games do you think? I mean, I was suspended for at least for one game. Like, like you can't you can't do that, man. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that. Like, I don't know how you, like, get – I don't know how you don't, like – I don't know how you don't punish him. I just don't. Like, how, how do you, like, watch that and you think the flagrant two is enough to kick him out the game? I get that, but, like – like yeah, yeah. He like the malicious intent was there. There's no doubt about it. He was trying to hurt Caruso. Yeah, and I I don't buy the bullshit that it was. He was just going for a hard foul. Like this guy has a reputation. Like 
man, I, he, yeah, he needs to be suspended for a game. I mean, I don't know if the league will do that, but I, in my opinion, I think he should be suspended for a game at least. Yeah, yeah. JV, uh, JVG was saying that they should even cons- like, like you said, they should consider his past history and just kind of like make a statement with it, not like. 30 games or 20 games or something like that. But, you know, at least something that's going to be like, hey, you can't do this anymore. So it's got to be something notable. So I could even see like a few games, like maybe maybe two or three. I don't know. But yeah, hit the pockets. Yeah, hit the pockets. Yeah. Yeah. And a fine. Yeah. yeah. And a fine, too. So, yeah, it's got to be something that makes it known that like you have to you got to clear up what you're doing because you can't do this. And plus, when he comes to Chicago, they're going to give him a lot of shit. <laughs> they're going to be on him when he comes to Chicago, man. We need, we need like the Nazi Muhammad going in on him. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Like, like, just, you know, wouldn't mind like, a, a good shoulder to like, you know, when he's trying to drive in or do something, just like hit him or something. I don't know. Man. I, like I said, I don't, I don't get into that kind of stuff. I don't like like, you know retaliation but man that he just got me heated like what the hell dude yeah this got me heated like it was just like how do you do that like how do you consciously do that crap he's like i don't get it (laughs) yeah he he's lucky is this era because back in the day their retaliation wouldn't even have been like a question it's like oh it's happening it's just a matter of when Yeah. yeah, so yeah. this is crazy. And he, has a, and he has a punchable face too, man. He does like, <laughs> like that yeah. arrogance too, like about him. Like he was like laughing on the sideline, like smiling. Like, man, yeah, I, that was he a looks bad like look. Ted Cruz. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that he's got a punchable face. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a deck him yeah. on the face. Somebody needs to deck him, man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that was just a bad look all around. So hopefully the uh, NBA sends a message, and uh, we're hoping for some. Uh, for good health for the Bulls uh, going forward as we get some guys back and we can get this team back to the level that they were playing at uh, before all of these injuries. But uh, that wraps today's Bulls Gold. As always, you can catch us right here on the Barroom Network. Check out our past uh, shows wherever you get your podcast, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans. <laughs>